20 years ago today, Burger King took out a full-page ad in the USA Today. A full-page in the USA Today announcing the creation of a new version of their Whopper. It was specifically designed for left-handed customers. It was the same as the original Whopper, but all of the ingredients, the the burger, the the lettuce, the tomato, the onions, it, it had all been turned 180 degrees to benefit their 34 million left-handed customers. And in addition, the fries would be served on the right side instead of on the left side. Now, that was 20 years ago today on April Fool's Day, April 1st. And so the next day, Burger King had to print a retraction and they had to explain that that was all part of a prank. It was just an April Fool's Day joke. But they also explained that thousands of customers had come in that day requesting their very own left-handed Whopper. Now, lest you think less of the lefties among us, my wife is included as a lefty, there were a lot of people who had actually come in that day demanding that they get their old-fashioned, traditional right-handed Whopper instead of a left-handed Whopper. I think the best April Fool's Day pranks are not the completely absurd, they are the ones that are just absurd enough, where there's a chance it might be real. Maybe you even get your hopes up that there's something special just for you, only to find out someone got you. April Fool's, you fell for it. But today is not only April Fool's Day, today is Easter, and today is the day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as absurd as the story might seem to some, there is something definitely here for you, something to place your hope in. You know, the centerpiece of Easter is not the cross. The centerpiece of Easter is not even the empty tomb. The centerpiece is Jesus Himself. It is what He offers. It is His offer of peace. There's a quote on the front of your bulletin. That is, the quote is from John chapter 14, verse 27, where Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. The peace that the world gives, the peace that the world offers can sound like a joke. It can sound like a prank. You can get your hopes up for, with the peace that the world offers. Jesus promises us something different. His promise of peace is real. We're going to look at John chapter 20 today at the resurrection story, part of the resurrection story. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19 and going to verse 23. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, it's on page 9, those Bibles in front of you, the blue Bibles, it's on page 906. If you have an Android phone or uh, an iPhone with you and you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, we've got the notes and the scriptures all loaded up there for you. If you look for events, you'll find those today. This particular story does not take place on Easter morning. This story takes place in the evening after the resurrection. The disciples had had a few hours. They'd had about a day to process, to wonder about the empty tomb, to wonder about the story that these women had, had told them. And they're wondering, what's going on? What's happening? Has, has somebody pranked us? And then Jesus comes and offers them a very real and concrete promise, the promise that they needed 
Jesus offers real peace. The story begins in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, even so I am sending you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withhold, it withheld. How do we know it's real peace? How do we know it's not a hoax? It's not a trick? What does real peace look like? As Jesus shows us in this story, real peace overcomes fear. If you've been with us here at Kansas Christian Church this year, uh, since the start of the year, you know we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Every month we're taking another quality of the fruit of the Spirit, a quality of the Christian life, and we're examining it closely. We're kind of turning the light on ourselves and we're asking, are we truly cultivating this produce in our lives? And so far we have looked at love and we have looked at joy and there are seven more qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. And so today on Easter, we begin with the message that Jesus brings, the centerpiece of the Easter story, we begin our look at peace this month. Where are the disciples in this story? The very first verse we read tells us where they were physically, and it tells us where they were emotionally. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They are inside. They are locked in a room, but more than just locked in a room, they are locked in fear. And and we can understand that. In the last three days, their Lord, their Master, their Teacher, their their friend has been arrested. He has been tried. He has been tortured. And He has been executed. And if they came for Him, they might come for His disciples also. So they are hiding. They are locked behind the doors. They are locked in fear. That's what fear does. Fear locks us behind its doors. It keeps us from truly living. And and the fact is, fear is, is universal. Everyone feels fear, but everyone's fear is different. What keeps you locked up in fear, it might not be the same thing that keeps another person locked up in fear. Your fear might be completely different than my fear. For some people, it's fear of failure. It's fear of failure in a job or fear of failure in a relationship. For others, it's the fear of the unknown. An unknown diagnosis comes our way and, and we react in fear. Sometimes it's fear of a financial burden that we might have. But some part of you becomes trapped in that fear. It becomes locked away and you don't know freedom. You don't know peace. And yet, what do we read in verse 19? There it is. The evening of the first day, first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I think it's important to notice the doors are still locked. It doesn't say that the doors were ever unlocked. It's important that we notice that. The effect of their fear is still real, and yet Jesus comes through anyway. I think we're meant to notice that. I think we're meant to see that Jesus doesn't doesn't demand that we take care of our fear first, that we take care of our problems, that we overcome the things that are holding us back and, and keeping us in bondage. He doesn't demand that we get rid of those things first and then come to us. He comes to us 
even through our fear. I think he's showing that his love and his peace breaks through our fears. Later on, the Apostle John, who who wrote this Gospel, will write a letter to some friends. And we call that letter 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Whatever fear has kept you locked up, whatever fear has held you back, has kept you from freedom, Jesus has love to overcome that fear. Through His sacrifice, through His love, we can know peace. And the Easter story reminds us that real peace requires a price. Jesus entered the room and says, peace be with you. It was a very common greeting back then in that era, and in that area, and it was still, it's still a common greeting today. If you know the, the Hebrew word shalom, that's the word that Jesus says to them. That is the word that means peace be with you. It's still a common greeting. But, but here it's more than just a greeting. It, it identifies Jesus. It is the personification of Jesus Himself. Centuries earlier, Isaiah had predicted the coming of Jesus, had predicted the coming of Christ. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he called Him the Prince of Peace. Where He reigns, peace exists. Peace is there. Earlier, that, that verse in John that's on the front of your bulletin, Jesus said, My peace I give to you. There's something different about His peace. Later, the Apostle Paul would write to the Ephesians and, and write in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, and he would say of Jesus, He Himself is our peace. It's not just that He offers peace, but Jesus is our peace. The promise of peace is the promise of the presence of Jesus in your life. He says, peace be with you. And then verse 20, he says, when he, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He showed them his scars. I have a friend who is fond of saying, scars are tattoos with better stories. You know what he's saying? Scars are tattoos with better stories. Scars are tell the story that something tried to kill you and it didn't. That's the story behind a scar. But these, stor- these scars were different. These scars proved that this had killed him. It had taken him. But these scars also showed that this was the same Jesus. This was the Jesus who had walked with them. The Jesus who had taught them. Who had healed. This is the Jesus who had loved them. This is the same one who had hung on the cross. The same one who had said from the cross, it is finished. This was the Jesus who had paid the price for their peace. Those scars tell the story of the cross. They they tell the story that it was a real event. They tell that the pain and suffering of the cross was real. The, The cross was real and the scars were real. And the peace that was purchased on the cross was also real. And that's a message that you and I need to know. The peace that we have through Jesus, it isn't some figment of our imagination. The peace we have through Jesus isn't a fairy tale that we tell ourselves to to feel better. There was a very real and tangible moment in history when Jesus paid the price for our peace. And there was a very real and tangible moment in our lives when peace was the furthest thing from our experience. When all we knew was fear. All we knew was hopelessness. All we knew was pain. And in that moment, Jesus stepped in. And with Him came peace. For those disciples locked 
in that room, the, the change was immediate. It says there in that verse, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Some of your Bibles say, it doesn't use the word glad, some of your Bibles say they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus had said, He had predicted this moment. In John 16, verse 20, Jesus had said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. And they had, for the last three days, they had wept, they had lamented. But the world will rejoice, and the world did rejoice that they had taken care of this problem. They had gotten rid of Jesus. He said, but... You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. That was lived out in a very real way in that moment. And the promise continues to be lived out in the lives of those who find peace through Jesus. John says they were overjoyed. When we're overjoyed about something, what do we do? We want to tell people about it. We, we want to tell other people about the reason for our joy, why we're overjoyed, and that's why real peace demands to be shared. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is the produce of the Christian life. It's not just a gift that we receive from Jesus. It's not just a gift that we receive through His sacrifice. It becomes a part of who we are. It becomes a part of our character. Peace becomes a quality of our being. We become the peace that Jesus promised. And so Jesus repeats His greeting a second time. He says, peace be with you. And with this greeting, He commissions His followers, He commissions us to share His promise of peace. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, even so I am sending you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It's a little strange, isn't it? He breathed on them. You know, my morning breath is awful, but I can't imagine after being dead for three days, what's that kind of morning breath like? What's what's that like when when that happens? It's an odd moment. It's It's an odd thing. Jesus breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. And there was a point to that. They needed a very real and tangible reminder of the presence of God. And they could feel the breath of Jesus. we got to admit, we don't always feel the presence of God, do we? I mean, we, we acknowledge intellectually God is always with us, and yet there are moments in our lives when we just don't feel that He's there. We don't feel that He's close. There's times when we forget that God is with us. There's times when we forget His promise, that we forget that there's an offer for real peace that not only is for us, but, but is also for our neighbors. A, a peace that we are to share with our world. You know, you've got people in your life who are desperate for peace. And the problem is, many of them have been fooled into accepting a fake peace. They have been tricked into accepting a peace that is, that is a hoax. There, there are people who have been told that if they work hard enough, and if they save all their money, and if they plan for their future, they will have financial peace. <laughs> That's not peace. There have been people who have been told that if they, if they take care of themselves, if they eat right, if they eat the right things, if they stay away from the wrong things, if they take care of themselves, if they work out and they exercise, they will have physical peace. But that's not peace. There are people that have been told if they raise their kids right, if they have the right values, the right priorities, they will have peace. But sooner or later, all these things that we can do for ourselves, they come crashing down. And what do you do then? What do you do when that peace is gone? 
And honestly, there are people in your life, there are people in your lives, they don't care about the offer of God's peace. There are people in your life that don't care about the offer of God's peace, but they care about you. That's why you are in their life. They care what you think of them. They care what you have to offer. The last verse of this passage is, is confusing. <laughs> the last verse of this passage, honestly, it's, it's poorly translated, and, and it's important that we hear it correctly. In, in my Bible, it says this, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That makes it sound pretty powerful, doesn't it? That makes us sound pretty special. I have the power to forgive. You have the power to forgive. Well, no, not really. What we have the power to do is proclaim what Jesus has done. We have the power to proclaim the message of forgiveness. We have the power to let people know that they can be forgiven. And there are people in your life who have no peace because they've done some really lousy things in their lives. They have broken promises. They have broken vows. They have broken hearts. They have broken homes. They have broken lives. And they feel miserable. And what Jesus is saying in this verse is, if you tell them about my forgiveness, then they will know that they can be forgiven. But if you don't tell them, then who's going to tell them? If you don't tell them the message, they will never know the offer. They will never know forgiveness. They will never know peace. There's a very old story that's told in Spain about a father and son who had a disagreement. No one really remembers what the disagreement was about, but it was pretty sharp and it, it caused a strain to their relationship and it caused them to be estranged. The son, the son's name was Paco. The son left home. He just couldn't take it anymore and he, and he left home. After a while, the father realized that maybe he had been a little harsh and he needed some understanding and so he went out in search of Paco but he couldn't find him anywhere. He thought maybe Paco ran off and joined the circus. Maybe Paco became a bullfighter. Maybe, maybe Paco just left the country completely. The father searched and searched and searched. He couldn't find his son Paco anywhere. Finally, in desperation, he went to Madrid. He went to the biggest newspaper in the country, the newspaper that everyone received, and he took out an ad in that newspaper. And in the ad, he wrote, Paco, he says, Paco, dear Paco, meet me in the lobby of the Hotel Montana at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Signed, your father. There's only one problem. The name Paco is incredibly common in Spain. And that Saturday at noon, 800 Pacos showed up at the Hotel Montana wanting forgiveness from their father, wanting peace, wanting that relationship restored. You know, you've probably got a Paco in your life. <laughs> May not be named Paco, but you've got someone in your life that is desperate for that message. That, that Jesus has a message that they are desperate for, and it is not a hoax. It is not an April Fool's Day trick. It is the promise from the cross. It is a promise from nail-scarred hands. And the message is simply this, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I hope you know that kind of peace. I hope you've accepted that call to peace. And I hope you've allowed the fruit 
of that peace to grow in your life and to grow in your relationships because I'm sure that there are those that your life touches who know no peace, but they know you. Make sure they know the offer. Make sure they know forgiveness through Jesus. And maybe today you come searching for peace. And if you come searching for peace, we want to show you Jesus. We want you to know His love through our love. We want you to know His peace through the peace we offer. It's not a hoax. It's not a prank. It is the single greatest offer that God has ever made. And He's making it for you. Will you accept His offer of peace? Let's stand together and pray. Father, this this Easter morning we are reminded that while our sin separated us from You, and while our fear closed us off from Your promise, Your Son, through His sacrifice, He has brought peace and forgiveness. May we never fail to know the peace that we have through You, and may we never miss an opportunity to to extend that same peace and forgiveness to another. Lord, there are people in our lives that, that are desperate for peace. Let us show them the forgiveness that we have been shown. Let us extend the promise that you purchased through the blood of your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And peace be with you.